sugar blossoms, you're going to be so disappointed in me. You see, I committed a sugar dating felony last night. Yes, last night. So I was talking to a sugar daddy on seeking arrangements for the past probably week and he was super fun to talk to and we connected on a lot of different things so I was really excited to meet him. Now he lived two and a half hours away from where I was and before coming here usually for that kind of drive I would discuss pay first. However it is an area that I was interested in checking out anyway and it just didn't really feel necessary to have that conversation. So as I usually do, I decided I would discuss it at our meet. I prefer talking about this stuff in person anyway. So yeah, I was just going to do that even with the drive, which is not quite as normal for me. Anyway, got here and you guys, this man is pretty. He's super attractive. He has gorgeous eyes. I really like his smile, covered in tattoos, like my fucking type and I was like really surprised by that he was a lot more attractive than I thought he was going to be from his pictures on seeking and I was like really excited I got really excited and then we just started talking and connecting and dinner went by still hadn't had the conversation and I just didn't really care I guess uh (laughs) which which this is the sugar dating felony that I'm talking about. We got to his place and he kind of opened up the conversation, I don't think intentionally. He mentioned how he wasn't sure how it was going to go because of the age difference. And that kind of made me frown just a little bit. And I asked him if he'd ever had a sugar baby before, if he'd been on the site before. And he said, no. And I was like, have you even met up with anybody before? He said no. And now I am majorly regretting not having the conversation earlier because that means his first ever sugar experience was a regular date, basically. We kind of had the conversation. However, at this point, I was already rather invested in the idea of him and hanging out with him, and sleeping with him, and everything. I was already at his house, so I really didn't want to make things uncomfortable if he wasn't prepared for the conversation that followed. So I kind of mention what I'm used to, and how it usually works, but I give him like a massive disclaimer that I still wanted to hang out with him, and do stuff with him, regardless of if he was okay with that. Normally, this is a huge no-no. I am not condoning this at all. You're on seeking arrangements for a reason. You need the financial side for a reason. I mean, it really changes the whole relationship dynamic to not include that. And so I do not condone this behavior. And I apologize to any future sugar babies of his who don't have the process go the best way possible. However, this man, this man is very attractive. I'm very excited about the future, honestly. While I don't even know if I'm ever going to get an allowance, I definitely asked for one. He never super committed to it. Uh, I don't know really if he remembers or how he feels. I may never get an allowance from this man. I messed that one up. That's totally on me. However, 
I'm excited because he is somebody I'm truly sure about investing in. He is a really cool person. He's a tattoo artist, so maybe he'll give me like free tattoos or something. He wants to help with my van. I live in an unfinished van conversion and he built custom houses and he's done tons of van conversions before. He does really unique build work and it's all gorgeous from what I have seen so far. And so he might help with that. He might give me some tattoos, possibly some trips. He's really, he's investing in me in ways that's not an allowance and I'm here for it. Basically, what is happening in this particular experience is we have a connection that you normally have in a normal relationship and he is willing to invest maybe more than I would ask for from a normal relationship. And so it's not that allowance type deal, it's it's different. And if this ends up being an allowance type deal, if he does come through and ends up giving me cash allowance, I will let you guys know. But I'm still really interested in how this how this goes because the last time this happened to me was David. The last time I was so interested in somebody who I met on the site that I just didn't care about the allowance side of things. It turned out to be my favorite sugar daddy sugar relationship that I've ever had. That's the one who took me to New York City, who took me to Chicago, who I'm super like infatuated by and I hope to see again someday. But I'm interested to see what happens with this. I will keep you guys updated. I just, I had to tell you guys, I had to come clean about committing the sugar felony, as I have named it. So don't do that. Don't do it. It's better to do these types of things with somebody like David who knows how they typically should go rather than somebody who's new to the site. So that's a little rough, but all is well. All is okay. Now, you guys, I have spent far too long on this topic rambling I have a fantastic interview for you this week, and she's super cool. Her name is Lex, and she runs a Instagram page called Sex is Not a Dirty Word. She is a advocate and supporter and friend to sex work. She is an amazing sex educator, and she is involved in a poly relationship. I'm really excited for you guys to hear what she has to say about all of these things. <gasps> Ellie, what? Oh my god, you talked about sex? Hi Lex, thank you so much for being here. I'm really excited for this interview. If you could just introduce yourself really quickly, your name, your age, uh, your Instagram page for sure, sexuality pronouns, and then um, my question for you is, what is a sexual fantasy that you've lived out before? Awesome. So my name is Lex. I am currently a college student studying graphic design in the Midwest. Um, you can follow my sex ed Instagram account on Instagram at um, sex is not a dirty word. I try to post there daily, different kinds of content and um, raising awareness for sex positivity. My pronouns are she and her, and I identify my sexuality just as queer. 
one of my sexual fantasies that I've lived out was having sex out in the woods. <laughs> Ooh, I like that. There's something about being outside, right? Definitely. Yeah. Literally being in nature and connecting with nature. It was definitely fun. It, you know, you get mud on your knees and... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I have had sex outside in nature before, but I don't think I've ever done it like really like in the woods. It's always been, I don't know, very like interesting. It's only been a couple times. I did it on the beach one time and then I was in like a national park one time. Like there was nobody around, <laughs> but that's really it. It's never been like deep in the woods. I think that'd be pretty fun. Yeah. All right. So would you say that sex is an important part of your life? Because I know you ha- you run that Instagram and everything. So in general, is it more of the education side or is it in your personal life as well? Um, I think it's more on the educational side. I don't feel like I have like any kind of special sex life. I think it's pretty average, but I'm very just passionate about providing an education and making it accessible to everyone um, because I myself didn't have a sex education. I grew up in Texas and we just weren't given one at all. And I had to learn a lot on my own and a lot through the internet and through other people. So I'm just really passionate through education portion. Right. And I relate to that a lot, actually, because I didn't have much of a sex education either. And I found myself at 10 years old, that's when I started to get like interested and curious and be talking with friends. And I had absolutely no guidance. So it's really cool nowadays being able to see those helpful resources online that are actually wholesome. Because when I was online growing up, it was, there was some really toxic stuff out there. Yeah, definitely. Uh, unfortunately, I think a lot of people are forced to learn a lot about sex through porn, which can be really problematic because as a lot of us know, porn isn't very realistic to how things actually work. Right. I I know. I have that conversation a lot. Porn is like a really hard topic because you have so many different layers to it. You have trying to maintain like what it is, that entertainment factor, but also stay ethical and everything. And there's just so many layers. And then you have technology involved. I find it interesting to have that conversation with people who really haven't thought about it before because you just like see all of those things starting to click in their brain. And it's like, a whole different world when you, when you start thinking about all that stuff. Yeah, of course. And I've heard someone describe it as porn is for inspiration, not education, and I really like that the way that they described it. Yes, I think I've I think I've seen that as well on Instagram. It might actually have been from something that you posted, I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, so the Instagram thing, how did you end up starting that and do, are you involved in other types of sex education work? So currently I'm just running the Instagram account as far as sex education goes in my life right now. Um, But it all started because, um, so I'm a graphic design student, and at my school, we have to put together a senior showcase in order to graduate. And because I have just been doing research about sex ed, and it's just something that I've been passionate about for a few years, I decided that I wanted my uh, senior showcase to be about sexual health and sexual education. Because I'm a graphic design student, I wanted to use design and marketing to promote 
sex ed. So I figured the best way to get a good reach would be social media. And I'm most familiar with Instagram. So I kind of made it, I think I created it in October. um, And it's gotten a pretty decent following so far. And I'm hoping to just keep running it and getting an even bigger following to help spread the message. Yeah. No, I noticed that it was fairly new. I was going to actually ask you when you started it. That's really cool that you have only been really doing it for that long because I feel like there's some people who've been doing it for forever and still are trying to grow. But you've been having quite a bit of success on Instagram, at least from what I can tell, which is really cool. Yeah, it's grown a lot faster than I anticipated it would. And I'm hoping that my goal is 10,000. So I'm still far away from that, but I'm hoping to get there soon. I think you all. I really like your account. I think that you do some really creative and cool stuff on that. What has been like the most rewarding part of it so far? Definitely people reaching out to me and thanking me for providing what I do um, and breaking down a lot of stigma and and providing some facts just about sex and reproductive health. I've had people thank me. I've had people reach out to me and ask me questions on Instagram and I should preface that I'm not at all a professional. I don't have a degree in sexual education or um, human sexuality, and I'm not a licensed sex educator, but I'm just really passionate about it. So I do a lot of research before I put anything out there, but that's definitely been rewarding is having people thank me. It makes it feel like I'm actually making a difference. Those connections that you can make, especially on something like social media, The strength of them, I think, can be really powerful and unexpected, too. I've made some really amazing friends just through social media, and it's always crazy to me like how meaningful that those can feel and be and how much they can really start conversations because you're saying like you're not a professional, but what you're doing, it's just as if not more meaningful in some ways than if you were a professional just because you're somebody like out there that people can relate to who's talking about it and who's not scared to talk about it, you know? So like that can have more of an impact on some people, I think, in some ways. Yeah, definitely. I I only can hope that I'm reaching the audience I need to and that I'm making a good impact, but one can only try. <laughs> so you have you have a goal for 10,000 followers. Do you have like future plans expanding outside of Instagram or anything like that? For right now, just because I'm focusing a lot on finishing my degree, I'm just going to keep it as the Instagram account. I would like to, as I get more um, following, I would like to do some more collaboration with different companies and be able to do more giveaways and stuff like that. Um, But yeah, I'm just focusing on finishing my education. I'm going to be graduating next spring um, and hopefully I'll be able to do a little bit more with the Instagram account and and maybe I actually um, was thinking about starting a podcast eventually. So that'd be super fun. I think podcasting is becoming like this really cool way for people to connect as well as it's like really awesome form of storytelling. I've loved doing mine so far and there's definitely plenty of room in the sex education space, in my opinion, for more podcasts. Yeah, absolutely. Um, My friend and I, I've actually talked about doing one, um, combining uh, breaking stigma around sex workers and including sex education in it. So we'll see if that actually winds up happening. And I'll have to let you know if we do. Yeah, that. 
Absolutely. We can we can catch back up. <laughs> that'd be super fun. That's interesting that you mentioned sex workers. Is there a reason that that's one of the focuses that you wanted to do? Yeah. Um, sex workers are really close to my heart. A lot of my friends, including both of my best friends, um, both identify as sex workers. And I have a history of sex work back when I used to live in Oregon. Um, I was a stripper for about three and a half years. And that's where I met my two best friends. So sex work is really close to my heart, like I said. And I try a lot to do outreach for sex workers, including sex education, but also breaking the stigma around sex work. Because like you and I probably know, sex work is work. And it should definitely be legalized, in my opinion. Oh, absolutely. My frustration lately has been that you know, there's been this like huge push with sex education. And then you also have on um, like a totally different topic. You have a huge like feminist push and everything. But sex work is still just not talked about very much in at least in my circles and I, how I feel in this country. And it's not really combined into those things as much as it should be. And that might be changing now. But I've been thinking about that more over like the past couple months at how Really, people just need to talk about it more and think about it as like something a little bit closer to them and to their own personal lives. Because I guarantee most people know somebody who either has or is in some form of sex work or has at least thought about it. You know, it's like it's pretty common and yet nobody talks about it even today. Yeah. And in Portland, where I lived, I feel like everybody and their grandmother is a stripper there. It's it. <laughs> There's so many strippers there, um, which is cool because it just in population that breaks down the stigma a little bit. And I was very open about uh, stripping and doing sex work with my family. And of course, there's going to be people who disagree or, you know, don't want to support that kind of lifestyle and work, which was fine for me. I didn't need that kind of support from my family. But Definitely being surrounded by sex workers was really awesome. Um, having all my friends be sex workers. And I kind of miss that community for sure. So stripping, you did it for like, you said three years. What was it about it that you really enjoyed? Um, the money is great. <laughs> <laughs> I have to be honest, that was definitely one of the reasons that drew me in because I had the potential of making more money than if I worked a minimum wage job. And to me, it felt like I was selling my soul to a company that didn't care about me if I was working just a minimum wage job, whereas I could be my own boss and make my own schedule, set my own prices, and be able to do what I want when I want to with stripping. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't really consider. Um, a lot of people think that sex work is like selling your body, but we sell our bodies every day to mm -hmm. jobs and corporations that couldn't care less. So if I can harness my own sexuality and use my body to make money, then I'm going to do that because it feels empowering. I love how you just said that. I could not say it better myself. I know it's just people think of it like it's this like crazy different thing, but it's just another service job, really. It's just people like having a demand and other people filling it like most people do in, in regular jobs. It's just a normal job. You were a stripper. did you? And then you also say you have a history of other sex work. Could you go into that a little bit more or was it mostly just stripping? It was mostly just stripping. My friend and I played around with 
um, camming for a little bit, but it's like I give total props to people who can do camming full time. It is so much work. Half the work is just marketing yourself. And we just didn't have the experience to market ourselves enough to actually make a decent income. So we kind of did that for fun. But um, yeah, the majority of the sex work that I have experience with was just uh, stripping. Gotcha. Yeah, camming is really, really difficult, especially I feel like as time goes on, it's getting more and more difficult to to make money through camming. I have a lot of respect for people who can actually do it enough to make it worth their time these days because that's something I just have never felt like would be a great return of investment. Yeah, it's a lot of hard work that you have to put a lot of energy into it. And I just don't have that right now. Mm -hmm. Were you ever interested in sugar dating or having a sugar daddy? I used to be really interested in it, especially when I was dancing. And I, I wanted to turn my like regular customers into something like that. It just unfortunately wasn't really feasible when I was uh, stripping. But I'm kind of at a point in my life where I don't think that I need that right now. But I have a lot of friends who've sugared in the past and some that are still sugaring and who really enjoy it. I don't think it's necessarily for me, but I totally support those kinds of relationships. Yeah, that's awesome. And it's definitely not for everybody. There's a lot of things involved, uh, like emotionally and really time consuming. And how you were saying about you kind of have your own business. I would say sugar dating is very similar. You have to be on there and you're talking to people and you're marketing yourself a little bit. And there's a lot of time that goes into just even finding somebody who isn't a creep or who's willing to discuss things with you and then actually shows up and meets. It's almost overwhelming at times if you're trying really hard to get one. And for me, it's become more of like a side thing and a fun thing because I do enjoy it when I have a good arrangement going, but it's not something I invest a ton of my time and energy into anymore. Yeah, I I did have a few customers when I was dancing that would take me shopping and that was really fun we had it arranged as like a no strings attached so it's just like men who just wanted to spend money on me and that's like the ideal situation (laughs) so I did that a little bit but that was just like a one-time thing a few different customers if anyone wants to take me shopping like I'm not really gonna say no that's right that's really cool I like I like that because that says a lot about the relationship that you had with some of those people and the effort and the time and how you took them seriously enough to at least entertain the idea and actually go shopping with them. I think that's really cool. It says a lot about how you were in that job and everything. And then also just the kinds of people that you attracted. It's really cool. Yeah. Um, And then apart from sex work, I guess I should mention all around the same time. So I was doing sex work. I was teaching sex education to high school students. And I was working at a sex shop and that was all happening like simultaneously. So for a good period of my life, like, you know, about three years or so, I was just fully immersed into sex as a career, um, which was really interesting. How was working at a sex shop? Interesting. I think that's the best word to describe it. It was fun. It was very fun most of the time. We had, you know, you'd have like your creepy person every now and then, but I think that you get that at every job. My favorite part was having people come in, maybe probably for the first time they've ever been in a sex shop, feeling very insecure and 
not really sure what, what they should be buying or what they want or what they should look at and being able to help them and feel like you're making a difference in that person's sex life uh, was really fun. And I actually uh, met my best friend there. And then I actually took her into the sex work industry. So um, that was where our relationship was founded. Oh, that's so cool. I thought about working at a sex shop in college for kind of a long time. The idea like piqued my interest so much, but I was honestly too intimidated by like just not knowing what kind of customers and everything I'd be getting. And I think it's kind of sad because like you said, there's a lot of opportunity with that for really good experiences. And that was before I'd even been to a sex shop. So I had no idea what it was like, but having gone now, I had a great time when I went and we'll go tons now. So I think it would have been really fun for me, but it was something I was a little bit too intimidated by back then. I definitely think that I've had more creeps working food service (laughs) than, than I have when I worked there. So I believe that in a heartbeat. When I went the first time, I had like a full on conversation with the person working there and we were just joking around and stuff. And it was really fun. Yeah. A lot of our customers, too, were sex workers. So, you know, we sold shoes. So we had all the the pleasers, which is like the name brand for stripper shoes. Um, Mm. We'd have drag queens come in. We'd have dancers come in. We'd have sugar babies come in with their sugar daddies that would take them shopping for lingerie and sex toys. So we had like a a very large variety of different types of clientele that would come in. And that was always really exciting because you never knew um, who was going to come in that day. Yeah, that's so cool. I bet you have a couple of stories from working there too, probably. Oh, yeah. I (laughs) definitely have a handful of stories. That would be fun. How long did you work there, like in the sex shop? I think I was there just over a year. I uh, had just turned twenty, and i I was having I had a bunch of different jobs here and there uh, when I was in my early twenties. So um, I was there for a year and a half, and then I um, moved on to actually work at a sexual health clinic. Um, I was a clinic assistant there afterwards. Oh, that's really cool. It's kind of a step up there, mm-hmm. at least in the sex education element. Yeah, that's really that's really cool. Now, I do want to talk a little bit about poly because you mentioned when we were talking before that you are in a poly relationship. And I've talked about non-monogamy on the podcast before because my boyfriend, Andrew, and I are open. But poly is kind of a different, different thing entirely just because it involves multiple emotional relationships rather than just sexually being open. So would you talk a little bit about your experiences and how it works for you and maybe like why it works for you personally? Yeah, of course. Currently, I just have one partner. I live on my own and he lives with his other partner. And we don't do the hierarchy system. Like I know some people, every poly relationship looks really different. And some people have like a a main partner and then they'll have other partners on the side. But we don't do a hierarchy at all. We're all very like equal and on the same playing field. It just so happens they were already dating before I even met him. And he has kids and they raise his kids together. So uh, we kind of have a system set up where he comes over two different days a week. Um, We have a schedule set out and we'll like plan our schedules out so that everyone's happy. And um, I'm actually, you know, decently friends with his ex-wife. 
the mother of his children, and we all just kind of get along for the most part. I mean, there is going to be jealousy in every relationship and in poly relationships too, but we try to work that out. And uh, we do family outings all together sometimes. Um, and I think I always think it's funny to think about what other people think our our like relationship structure is because if all of us and the kids are out together, I'm always like, I wonder what they think this is all about. So that's fun to think about. Yeah, that would be that would be really interesting. I've thought I've thought about that before too, just because I've considered the possibility of being in a relationship or structure like that at some point in my life and how I would handle it. And I like that you said that every relationship has jealousy because that's something I've really had to tell people in the past when they ask me about being in an open relationship is that monogamous couples have jealousy too. What I think happens when you are open or in poly or something is just that the communication levels have to be so much higher. And so I honestly think it's easier to deal with jealousy because we have to have those conversations in general and we get used to those conversations and the communication just seems so much deeper than any monogamous relationship I've ever been in. But there's almost always jealousy in any kind of relationship and it's just how you deal with it and how you communicate through it. Absolutely. And I think what Polly is good at doing is you kind of have to set up that structure for communication, like very di- like diligently and purposefully with your partners. Mm-hmm. Whereas monogamous relationships, you just kind of fall into them naturally and you never really get the chance to set up those the framework for that communication. So I think that's one thing Polly has the potential to be really good at doing. Um, is forcing you to sit down and say, okay, well, how is this, how are we going to make this work for everyone? And how are we going to keep everybody happy? So I, I really enjoy that part. I haven't always been poly. This is my main, pretty much my first relationship that's been poly and, you know, ups and downs, but so far everything's going really well. And we've almost been together for two years. I love that. That's It's really nice to hear like healthy accounts of poly and everything because I feel like negative accounts are really focused on and people always talk about those almost in every aspect of life. People talk more when an experience is bad, but I really like to hear good experiences with it because I think that's the only way people are going to be more accepting and talk about them more. Is there something that you wish people understood or knew more of when it comes to poly? I wish people were a little bit more open to the idea, even if it's not something for them, just because I think people are really judgmental when they first hear that. Every time I get a new therapist, I have to like (laughs) re-explain my whole relationship dynamic. And even if they're really supportive, they haven't either heard of it before or they're like really taken aback. It would be nice to not have to like re-explain myself all the time. Uh, I just wish there was more information and education out there so that it was a little bit more normal for people to hear about. But I guess that's what, you know, this podcast could do. That's what we can do about talking about it regularly. That's crazy to me that you have to explain it to therapists even. Yeah, I don't know if part of it is that I live in the Midwest and that's not really something that you see practiced a lot here versus like when I lived in Portland. I think people were more aware of what poly was. (laughs) <laughs> it's kind of annoying having to re-explain it. I feel like it feels similar to having to re-come out to everyone about my sexuality. It, it's just having to go over it over and again. So Yeah, that 
that sounds really frustrating in a professional setting like that to have to deal with. And that makes me really sad because I guess in my world, even I would think that it's a little bit more talked about or understood or at least known about than maybe it actually is. If even therapists need to be explained what it is to that's really sad to me. Yeah, I I'm totally open with my parents about my relationship. You know, they hadn't really heard of it before. It's definitely something new to them. They surprisingly were pretty receptive to it. And I think it was kind of on the basis of, well, if you're happy, then we're happy. But I'm definitely not relationship wise out to the rest of my family just because they are pretty strict Catholics. And I just unnecessary information for them to know about. So I just kind of I kind of pick and choose who I tell. But like my all my friends and stuff know my partner and Um, know how our relationship is structured. I think it's really cool that you're able to talk to your parents about that because I know even when it comes to sex work or non-traditional relationship types, it's always really hard to know at what point should I be telling them this stuff and at what point should I just let them live in an ignorant bliss. And I've thought about that a lot in my own life. Something that's kind of been interesting for me, like I said, my partner has two kids They're both boys, uh, 10 and 11 years old. And, you know, I wasn't around when my partner got divorced and started a poly relationship in life. So I know that obviously everything's a little complicated and I can't speak for the kids' experience. But seeing that they now have like three female characters in their life that are helping support and raise them feels positive to me. Basically, they have like three moms, uh, which is really cool. And, you know, you hear the saying, like, it takes a village. And I do believe that. So I think that hopefully, we're doing everything right for them and giving them the support they need. And in addition, my partner's pretty passionate about sex ed as well. And we've already had all those conversations with his kids, and they're like, super receptive to it. And it, now things are kind of like a no-brainer to them. So they're going to hopefully be those kids to help educate their peers when they get a little mm-hmm. bit older. That's really cool. And I've I've thought about that too and how cool it would be to have so many different people like working really hard to raise kids in poly circles and everything. And I thought like in a lot of situations, it just seems like it would be really wholesome and really beneficial to have all of that help like from however many people are involved because like you said, they're all very different. I can only hope that they're getting something positive out of it, but mm-hmm. there's a lot of love to go around. And I think that that in itself is worthwhile. That's really cool. Have you noticed, does it impact your sex life at all? Or have you noticed a difference in your sex life at all because of being poly or not? I don't really think so. You know, I think uh, what I think is funny is because I talk about sex a lot and it's kind of my whole world, I think people assume that I have this like wild sex life, but I think it's pretty average. And I don't really think that it's been any different from previous relationships. I feel like, you know, we our sex life is pretty much the same as it was with other partners that I've had. So I don't think the poly has affected that at all, really. I think part of that is because like I have like a completely independent relationship with my partner and he has a completely independent relationship with his other partner. So 
at times it feels like we're monogamous accidentally. Um, and then I remember he goes home to his other partner. So <laughs> that's really interesting that like you can even put that kind of out of your th- your thoughts at all. Because I feel like at least that, was that something that developed over time or has it always just been kind of because you had it structured well and your communication as well, that it's always just been kind of, I don't want to say ever, like relationships in general are easy, but was it easier for you because of all like that structure at the foundation of the relationship to kind of not always be focused on the fact that he had another partner? Or was that ever a challenge for you? It's been challenging before because, you know, I'll I'll get jealous in certain situations. And because I only get to see my partner about twice a week, he has this whole other life with another person. And sometimes that's kind of hard to digest. But uh, because we have like these like strict days in place, knowing like, okay, well, he's going to come over this day and then come over this day. I plan my life around that a little bit. And so whenever he does come over, it's just us and it's our relationship. And we communicate about each other's relationships and stuff together as well. But I think the fact that we have like two very independent relationships going at the same time uh, definitely feels different. I know some people will have a relationship where they're like a trio Um, But that's Mm -hmm. definitely not what we're doing because we like having that independent. That's interesting to hear about and think about. And um, it's kind of really cool to be able to hear you talk about it and kind of relate to you almost because I am always telling people about how how my open relationship works and everything. So to be able to kind of relate to some of those tidbits when I hear you talk is fun. I remember some of the times that I have experienced jealousy and things. It's always been over like feeling like I'm not a part of a part of his life or just being like far away from it. Easier for me at the very least if I hang out with the other person and everything too at some some level. So yeah, it's just like interesting how it has to be different for everybody and it works differently for everybody too. Yeah. And when it comes to the kids, uh, well, like I think I said before, we kind of do stuff like as a family outing. So we never want the boys to ever be forced to go to one house or another. So whenever my partner's over here, they have the option to come over and I have a spare bedroom for them. So they have the option to come over or stay with his other partner. We try to make the structure work, but we do stuff together. And we'll, if it's something we all want to go do, we'll all go do it together. But when we're together, we kind of have like a no PDA rule uh, just to respect each other. kind of wondered about that actually a little bit about what it's like in public between everybody. There are so many layers. It's just interesting at how much communication starts to get needed with these types of things, right? It's like so much of it is communication and just making sure everybody is able to be vulnerable with each other and talk about their feelings. It's really cool that you guys have made it work and seem very happy and healthy. It's a lot of work, but I think it's worth it. And I would do it over and over again. So that's awesome to hear. 
as we are coming up on like the end of the time, you mentioned you have stories from working in a sex shop. So I'm curious if there is any that you want to share or any crazy sex stories that you want to share on the podcast before we say goodbye. Yeah, I have a fun story from working at a sex shop. So I was working just a normal day. This woman came in. She looked very quiet, very shy, kind of didn't really know what she was looking for, didn't want to approach me. So I figured that I should be the one to approach her. Um, She was probably in her early 30s. And after talking a little bit more, she felt comfortable enough to tell me that she had never experienced an orgasm. And I immediately felt like it was my personal duty to find her something to take home (laughs) (laughs) to (laughs) fix that problem for her. And she was very intimidated by a lot of the toys, which, you know, they can be intimidating for some people, especially the really phallic ones. They're not for everyone. And she just wanted something small and simple. So we found this line of toys that were very sculptural. They were a little bit smaller, these little vibrators, and they were just pretty, something that you could have on your desk that wouldn't even look like a sex toy. So we were looking at those, and um, she was playing around with them, kind of feeling them out. And she uh, told me, you know, every time that I feel like I'm about to orgasm, um, it feels like I have to pee. So I always stop. And I was like, you know, that's not pee. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of explained this whole process of, you know, when you're aroused, there can be like fluid that comes out of your body and it's not urine. It can have urine in it, but it's definitely not. It's definitely like you have the ability to squirt and that's really cool. Not everybody has that ability. And I was telling her this and she was like, what? had no idea about this, like had felt shameful and embarrassed for her bodily functions. And I I basically just gave her the rundown education on that. And she purchased the little toy that she found. And then the cutest part was she said, I can't wait to get home. (laughs) That's really cool. I like that. And those are the kind of experiences that make me think I probably would have really enjoyed working at a sex shop for stuff like that. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And those are my favorite customers, the ones that I could empower their own sexuality, help them empower themselves. I feel like as I open up and just act like it's normal to talk about this stuff, people are coming to me more. And it's like really fun because I get it. I've gotten to do similar stuff like that in the past. And I always just it just like makes me smile and I feel like I'm hopefully adding an entire new exciting layer to their life. Like, I think that's what sex can do and like positive sexuality can do for people. Yeah, absolutely. I, I tend to bring sex up as a topic of conversation pretty regularly and <laughs> hope that people just go along with it and can break that uncomfortable cycle that they're stuck in with the word sex. So exactly, because it's not a dirty word. It's not. Yeah, definitely follow my Instagram uh, if you want more um, on that topic. (laughs) I liked your Instagram right away when I saw that because I remember a specific conversation when I would, I don't know, I was probably like 11 years old, actually in my church with one of my friends. And we were debating whether or not sex was a bad word and if it was a sin to say the word sex. (laughs) (laughs) It's a great Instagram handle, and I love the content that you put up there. So 
everybody absolutely should go follow you. Yeah, please do. I try to post daily. Thank you so much for doing this with me and coming on the podcast. I had a lot of fun and you seem really cool and I've enjoyed getting to know you. Yeah, absolutely. I've enjoyed talking with you too. I hope you guys loved that interview. Let me know what you thought. Go don't forget to follow Lex on Instagram at sex is not a dirty word. She puts out amazing content and I so appreciate her taking the time to come on and talk to me about various things sex related. I had super fun meeting her and talking with her. Now, you guys also don't forget to follow the podcast if you don't already at Sugar Puss Pod. Follow at Ellie Sugar Ray if you'd like to talk to me. I'm talking with a bunch of people right now for more epic interviews. I really, really wanted to start doing more of them in this second season of Sugar Pussy. And send me your questions. I've been getting a couple, so one of these weeks I might do just an episode of answering questions. So DM Sugar Pussy, DM Ellie Ray with questions, and I will get to those soon. Have a great week, you guys. Cheers. Cheers.